Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, April 13th. Coming up, the new congressional districts in Kansas were on trial over the past week. We'll speak with a reporter who was there. Plus, Kansas City musician Kevin Church Johnson says he wants to get people on the dance floor. I knew I wanted to get a song for them to dance to, and the beat is already finger snap because you know when they're two-stepping, usually they're snapping their fingers. Hear more about a new single dedicated to the Kansas City two-step. But first, some headlines. Kansas City Police Chief Rick Smith has disbanded the police department's missing persons cold case squad, KCUR's Salisa Kalakal reports. Smith cited staffing shortages as the main reason for his decision. It comes after the Kansas City Council approved a $269 million budget for the KCPD, a 3% increase over last year's budget. Councilwoman Rihanna Park Shaw said Smith's decision was worrisome. We have so many unsolved homicides that happen in Kansas City. It's definitely concerning. It's going to be even more of a delay for those to be solved. Mayor Quentin Lucas criticized the move on Twitter, saying the missing persons unit was specifically funded by the city and approved by the Board of Police Commissioners. He said he would seek to reverse the decision with the police board. Immigration advocates in Kansas are concerned about the impact of a new state law signed by Governor Laura Kelly this week. The law negates local ordinances to protect immigrants and others. KCUR's Eleanor Nash has more. The Republican-backed Sanctuary City bill was a response to Wildnack County's Safe and Welcoming Act, which would have provided municipal IDs to immigrants and others without legal photo identification. Mike Kubik, the executive director of the ACLU of Kansas, says the new state law will discourage residents from reporting violent crimes. It is a bill that really makes it clear that Kansas is unsafe and hostile to immigrants and uh, lots of other folks as well. In addition, the ordinance prohibited local police from working with immigration officials. Governor Kelly's signature overrides the local ordinance. This week, arguments wrapped up in a Wyandotte County court case over new congressional maps in Kansas. Civil rights groups had sued over the maps, arguing they were gerrymandering in favor of Republicans, while attorneys for the state defended the maps, saying there wasn't a clear definition of gerrymandering in Kansas law. Dylan Lyson is the state house reporter for the Kansas News Service. He joined me from Topeka to tell me what might happen next. Can you tell us about this map and how it got passed? Um, it was passed in uh, January by the Kansas legislature. Basically, uh, Republicans presented this map that cuts up um, Wyandotte County and moves Lawrence into a new district. Basically, they passed it pretty quickly in January and uh, didn't have a lot of conversation about it um, before Governor uh, Laura Kelly vetoed it and then the Republicans in the legislature again uh, overrode that veto, setting it up for a court battle. So I know that we've covered this issue on the podcast before, but just to review it for people, what does this map look like and how does it differ from the current congressional map in Kansas? Well, there's two major areas where changes occur. 
Um, the first one being Wyandotte County, which is in the uh, old map, was a part of the third congressional district, which represents the Kansas City area. In the new map, they cut a line straight through Wyandotte County, north and south, um, which was basically along the lines of I-70 Highway. The northern part was moved into the second district, which uh, covers mostly eastern Kansas. And then the second big change was uh, around Lawrence, which was originally in the second district. Basically, they drew a line right around the city limits of Lawrence and just picked that part up and moved it into the big first, which goes all the way to the Colorado border and represents western Kansas. So why did some groups challenge this map? Um, The um, ACLU of Kansas and the um, Campaign Legal Center, uh, they're representing residents in those two areas, um, basically arguing that the changes of moving Lawrence to the big first and cutting up Wyandotte County is specifically happening to cut uh, out racially diverse votes out of the third district and moving Democratic votes out of the second district that are in Lawrence into the big first. What did they argue in court? Um, Well, they first uh, presented uh, testimony from several political scientists from universities, including um, the University of Kansas's uh, Patrick Miller, um, they pointed to their statistical analysis, all using different measures, basically, showing that these changes occurred with moving heavily racially diverse voters um, in Wyandotte, moving them out to a new district, and then the heavily Democratic votes in Lawrence into another district. Um, and they also showed statistical analysis about how that improved the chances of Republican um, candidates winning elections in the 3rd District. And who was defending the map, and and what did they argue? Well, there were some attorneys basically representing the state, although they were representing specific election officials, but they were really uh, defending the map for the Kansas legislature. And they uh, basically argued um, it's impossible to um, prove what gerrymandering is under Kansas law because this has never happened before. And so they were telling the judge... You know, you can't rule that this is a gerrymandered map because Kansas doesn't say what gerrymandering is. Um, And they also argued um, against the evidence from the political scientists saying, you know, the third district may have been more in favor of Republican candidates, but Democratic candidates still have a competitive chance to win that district. So they were arguing that even if there were changes, it's not gerrymandered because they could still win. So what did the judge say in response to all of these arguments? Um, At one point, uh, he said that there is overwhelming evidence of political and racial gerrymandering. However, that is not the crux of the case. It really comes down to whether the Kansas Constitution allows that or forbids it. And that will be a discussion that he'll have to rule on, and then eventually that will likely make its way to the Kansas Supreme Court, where the justices there will have to make a final ruling. So what happens next? Well, we're still waiting for the judge to issue his ruling. It should be sometime next week. Um, And once that's done, uh, without a doubt, whoever loses this case is going to appeal it to the Supreme Court. And uh, there the court will... um, basically issue, will reconsider everything and issue basically a landmark ruling 
um, setting the law in Kansas for what political gerrymandering is or isn't. Um, so it's a pretty big deal for Kansas. And by the Supreme Court, you mean that they'll appeal to the Kansas Supreme Court? Correct. So how might the outcome of this trial or a potential appeal affect the congressional delegation in Kansas? Well, while all this was going on, um, Congresswoman Sharice Davids is kind of hanging in the balance. Um, if gerrymandering is legal in Kansas, she could be in jeopardy of losing her seat during the 2022 midterm elections. And she's um, the only currently the only Democratic member of uh, Kansas's congressional delegation. Correct. So if Sharice Davids loses in the 2022 midterm elections, it could set up Kansas to be a fully Republican state in U.S. Congress. Could that affect the overall balance of Congress between Democrats and Republicans? So there is a big push, um, obviously, from Republicans to retake the House. And uh, this could be one of those um, spots where they could gain. Um, although, you know, Kansas only has four out of, you know, 400 of the uh, House uh, seats. So it would be a minor win, but uh, a win's a win when you're trying to flip the House. Dylan Lyson is the State House reporter for the Kansas News Service. Generations of Kansas Cityans have grooved to a unique dance style in clubs and ballrooms. The Kansas City two-step is intimate and soulful. And as KCUR's Julie Denishay reports, it now has its own song. Earlier this year, musician Kevin Church Johnson released a new single. He's a busy working drummer, playing with soul, gospel, and R&B groups around town, as well as jazz artists like Herman Mahari. His new single is a love song to a style of dance that's unique to Kansas City. The very first time we met, I believe it was sophomore, yeah. There's different versions of people how they two-step, but the Kansas City two-step, you can't deny it. It's awesome. What If is a song about what could have been. This song right here just showed the softer side of me. So it's a good, clean love song about the one that got away. The song strikes at the heart of what Johnson says is the essence of vintage R&B. I can relate to it. I do remember it. it was a young lady I liked in high school, you know. And it's a song you could dance to, you know. And it's a song of substance because you don't really get songs these days that's really, like, from a place of love or longing for love. Johnson started playing drums with a church band when he was 10 years old. People in the neighborhood called him Church Boy, and the nickname stuck. Singing came later, and his raspy, soulful voice is packed with nostalgia. Two-step, two-step, with me now, two-step reminisce, baby. You know, because I knew I wanted to get a song for them to dance to. And the beat is already finger snap because, you know, when they're two-stepping, usually they're snapping their fingers and they groove and they stepping back and forth. At 35, Johnson says he spent a lifetime studying what resonates with people on the dance floor. We would be at the Juke House, which is on 18th and Vine, and the dance floor is packed with all people two-stepping. It was certain songs, like different R&B songs, you know, to just we would recognize that we had people dancing, so we would just pick the right R&B songs to play to keep them dancing. Across town, Dee Barker teaches this popular dance style every Tuesday night at the Linwood YMCA and James B. Nutter Community Center in Kansas City, Missouri. 
around Kansas City in these parts, I am joyfully known as the KC Queen of Two-Step and Line Dance. During the big band era, music was fast and dancing was energetic. In the 1950s, clubs got smaller and the music slowed down. It changed the way people danced. They would dance on one square, basically really smooth and controlled, and held their partners close, so the intimacy of the room dictated the smoothness and the steps. Barker is in her 60s now. She learned two-step in the 1970s. It was a way of life. We didn't have technology. We had family. Our main thing was getting together and socializing and being with each other. And so the cool points came from if you knew how to step. Beginners, okay, we're going to do some drills. All of Barker's students have to learn to communicate without words. It's a conversation in dance. The lead is giving the commands with his hands, and the follower, which is the female, is finishing off that command and showing him by her style and grace that she understands the words that are coming out of his hand. Her students are here to learn the basics before stepping out on the dance floor. It's supposed to be smooth and charismatic. Once you know the foundation, you build upon that foundation and you end up with your own creative moves. Barker says it's important for local musicians like Johnson to find a way to put their stamp on this Kansas City tradition. Two-step is in every generation, so and so they sing about it because we are about it. Kevin Church Johnson is now hearing a song in clubs around town. You definitely can count it an honor if you're an artist where they two-step into your music, especially in Kansas City. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Julie Denishe. As the years went on and we grew apart, I think we missed a chance if we had. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Dylan's reporting on redistricting in Kansas and Julie's story about the Kansas City two-step, visit kcur.org, where you can find more news from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, why not help us out by rating us and reviewing us on your favorite podcast app? Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.